0: checking out it was the largest luxury ship of its day and on its maiden voyage it hosted some of the most prominent people in the world including a host of millionaires and due to its double layered hole with its 16 watertight compartments it was considered to be unsinkable but shortly before uh, midnight on april 14th the ship collided with an iceberg damaging five compartments and thus the unthinkable became reality the unsinkable ship began to sink But listen to this, even when the alarm was sounded, many of the passengers just casually disregarded the warning and perished in their ignorance. But even for those who heeded the warning, listen, their fate wasn't much better because to their horror, they discovered there were only enough lifeboats for less than half the people on the ship. And then it got even worse. Even for the fortunate few who made it into one of these lifeboats, they soon discovered that the drain plugs in the bottom of some of the boats had actually been pulled out. Everything that could have gone wrong seemed to go wrong that night. And when the screams and the cries finally subsided, the death toll rang out. 1,635 people were dead. The ultimate luxury boat had turned into the ship of doom. The year was 1912. Of course, the ship was the Titanic. Okay? Now, hello, I think all of us are familiar with the Titanic, right? Especially after Hollywood made a movie about it. Okay? And how many guys would say that the sinking of the Titanic, we know, is one of the worst disasters in history of all time? Okay, big time, okay? But again, with all due respect to those who lost their lives in the Titanic, what if I were to tell you I know of a disaster that makes the sinking of the Titanic look like a kid's pool party? Okay? And folks, what if I were to tell you this disaster didn't occur in just one place, in one country, at one time? But it's going on right now, today, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Folks, once again, we are talking about the satanic war on the Christian. And again, the facts are this, folks. Whether we like it, lump it, leave it or not, we Christians go to war every single day. Okay, not just once in a while. We are in a battle from the time we get up. Okay, and it started the moment we got saved. Whether you feel it, believe it or not, the moment you got saved, you entered into a spiritual war against a demonic host whose sole purpose every single day is out there to destroy you and extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. It's real. We don't have to be afraid, but it's real. Okay, and our sufficiency needs to come in Christ, and that's what our study is all about. And so in order for you and I to stop getting beat up and duped, unnecessarily so all over the place in this satanic war on the christian we're going to continue uh, in our study now we've already seen if you're going to win a war then the first thing you need to know is what you got to know who your enemy is all right that's common sense number two we saw you need to also know what your enemy is like what is their character as we saw satan and demons uh, man, it ain't good to put it mildly. Then the last two times we saw the third thing we need to know is the tactic of our enemy. What are they up to? How are they going to come at us? Right? We already know they're evil. They're, they really exist. But what's their tactic? Why are we in a war in the first place? How are they going to come and try to get us? Okay. And there we saw last time not just the tactics of Satan, but the tactics of demons. Just like Satan, those two are not good. And they not only seek to infiltrate the church, but they want to come into the church, grab control of the church, so they can destroy the church. And last time we saw just three ways they're doing that today in the American church. They're promoting a new service, a new savior, a new worship experience. That's right. So you can get worked up into an altered state of consciousness so a demon can come in and possess you and call it spiritual. And again, who we're talking about here is non-Christians that come to a church service because, again, a Christian cannot be possessed. We can be externally oppressed but not internally possessed. Now, do non-Christians ever come to a church service? Unfortunately, It's on the rise uh, even today especially when people don't share the gospel but that's not all bobby i'm still preaching so guess what there's got to be more and there is the fourth thing we need to deal with in this satanic war and the christian is the destruction of our enemy the destruction of our enemy we not only need to know if you're going to win the war anybody want to win the war you want to be a bunch of losers all right, praise God the war is already won through Jesus Christ. But let's see what he's done for us. We need to know who our enemy is. We need to know what they're like. We need to know what they're up to. But listen, you need to know the price you will pay, Christian, if you don't take this serious. Because I think that's what's really going on. We need to not only know who our enemy is, what they're like, what they're up to. We need to understand the price you pay when we don't take this serious. What kind of destruction is going to happen in your walk with Jesus Christ and dare I say the church? Because that's what they're all about. Last week we just saw just a little couple. Now we're going to move in into more intimate detail how he's going to try to listen, hunt you down, Christian, and destroy you. And if you don't take it serious, it's going to happen. Now, the first destruction we're going to take a look at that he causes is the destruction of what I call the casual Christian. He'll turn you from, remember when you first got saved? Oh, man, you had flames come out of your ears. It was awesome. You freaked people out. You were so excited for Jesus. Woo! What happened? How come you're not like that anymore? somebody's after you and to turn you into a casual Christian and even to the point where finally you'll get that so-called church leader who comes up to you When you first get saved hey, don't worry. I know you're excited now But you'll cool down and become casual like the rest of us remember that guy With all due respect get his arm off your shoulder Get some Windex, squirt it off, disinfect yourself, because that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's an attack from the enemy. He wants to turn you from a committed, on-fire Christian into a casual Christian, and he will destroy you. But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. The Bible talks about a group of people who were just, just all about just being casual. You know what I'm saying? Just punching in your time clock. You know, giving that external show like you really do care, but you really don't. You're really spiritual, but you're really not. You really love God, but you don't. Do you know who those people were called? It rhymes with the Pharisees. Anybody? You guess? Yeah, it's called the Pharisees. Okay, you don't want to be a part of that. But let's take a look. Mark chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Take a look at uh, what Jesus has to say. Mark 15, 1 through 9. Or excuse me, Matthew 15. uh, 1 through 9, as I can read there with my left eyeball. But uh, (laughs) I was was like, what are you guys doing? You're messing me up. I was messing you up. This is funny. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Let's go ahead and read. Now, then some who? Pharisees Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, I don't have to go into this too deep, but when you read the Gospels, what's the kind of group of people that mm, kind of got strong words from Jesus? It's always the Pharisees, quote, teachers of the law. You don't want to emulate. So here's another encounter. Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked... Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Oh! And Jesus replied, and, excuse me, you're missing the boat, bud. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your what? Tradition. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, well, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, it's a gift now devoted to God, and he's not to honor his uh, father with it. Thus you nullify the what? The word of God for the sake of tradition. You what? You hypocrites. What's the uh, what's at the end of that word there? It's called an exclamation point. What does that mean? That Jesus said, "Excuse me, guys, can I interrupt you for a moment?" Oh, ye brood of vipers, you hypocrites! No, he said, "You hypocrites!" He got loud. Jesus has strong words for these kind of people. You hypocrites. I see right through you. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Why? Because their teaching are but rules taught by who? Men. You may be seated. But here we see some strong words from Jesus, and he doesn't even hesitate to rebuke the, quote, religious people of the day. And the reason why is because he called them on the carpet. He's God. He cuts to the chase. He sees it all. Right. You guys are being a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, and that was the game, wasn't it? Oh, you might make a good show before men. Right. But their hearts, he saw right through it. You were not really devoted to God. Oh, you were the master of saying all the right things and all the right words. And you knew when to stand up and sit down. You dressed really nice. You might even had a tie. Okay, all that stuff. You did all these religious things. But listen, Jesus said you're giving God lip service. He sees right through your charade. And the scripture says elsewhere, the reason why the Pharisees did all these religious things was, listen, the phrase there is to keep up appearances before men. To give the impression that you were spiritual when the whole time, no, you weren't. You're fake. You're casual. You're phony. And folks, this is the first. you think it's only happened 2,000 years ago? Uh Uh-uh. This pharisaical attitude is rampant in the American church today, and I believe it's an attack. The first sign to indicate when a person's becoming that casual Christian is when your attendance goes down. Your attendance goes down. Now, let me explain that to you, because this has nothing, you're going to hear that throughout my study, has nothing to do with legalism. If you come, you need to come here because it's about Jesus Christ. It's about God. It's not about punching your time clock. That's the Pharisees. But let's deal with reality. There is a benefit when you come and sit under the word of God. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about. The first definition of the word "casual" means this: to occur by chance or without regularity. To occur by chance or without regularity, and this is one of the first things the devil's going to do to keep us from becoming a mighty army. He cannot take away our salvation, but he moves to Plan B. Plan B is to do anything to get you to not grow up, because if you grow up as a Christian, you become a threat to him. So he throws out this bait and he says something like this: "Hey, listen." I know you're excited. I can see those flames coming out of your ears. You're freaking people out. Right? You love Jesus. I get that. Okay, But listen, come on. You, know, you don't want to be labeled as one of those religious freaks, do you? <laughs> you know, it goes to the church services every time the door is open. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. No, no just calm down a little bit. Just, just go enough to keep up appearances. Who's that sound like? The Pharisees. And you might think, hey, listen, a casual attendance, no big deal. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anybody, right? Wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell because the devil knows that a casual attendance leads to casualties. And the first casualty is it will weaken you, the Christian. It will weaken you, the Christian. Okay? And the first way it weakens you, it causes you to spiritually stink. Turn to somebody and say, hey, would you stop being a stinky Christian? Okay? And let me tell you how it does, folks, believe it or not. Here's what Paul says uh, about this unfortunate trend okay, with people. Why do we come to church services? Well, here's one good reason, spiritual reason. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, Paul says, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Wow. Well, here's the answer. Cleansing her by what? Washing with the water through what? The word, he's talking about the word of God. And to present her to himself, Jesus, as a radiant church. Listen, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so Paul's using a marriage analogy here to describe our relationship, number one, with Jesus Christ, uh, the bride, the church, okay? And he mentions that Jesus will use what? To keep you and I spiritually cleansed. What do he say? It's the Word of God. It's the Bible, right? And the enemy knows this, folks. He knows this so stinking well. Okay, listen, there's tons of church services all over the world. Doesn't mean they're all good, but there's tons of church services. The enemy cannot take away the church service. So here's what he does. He gets people to not show up for the services. And I'm talking about the good ones, the ones that are preaching the Word of God. The enemy knows that, listen, when you regularly attend church services specifically where the Word of God is truly, truly being preached that has a way of cleansing you up. Have you noticed that? Maybe throughout the week, you kind of got a little casual. You know, you weren't quite, you know, putting a fight up against temptation and being holy, 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 as we saying, you, you go to church services, and what happens? It's called spanking. The Word of God, what? It corrects you, right? That's what the Bible says. The Word of God's good for what? Not just training in righteousness, not just encouragement. What's the other two? Correction and rebuke. That's good. It keeps us clean. And, and, and all of God's commands are for our good. He's correcting us to get us off of that wide road that leads to destruction. No, 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 no. Get back on that narrow road that leads to life. He's doing it because he loves us. All because you showed up for a church service. Right? So that's the good case scenario. But see, you can even have a good quote, church service to go to where God's word is truly being preached in all its fullness. To keep us clean. But he'll get us to not go. And the first thing he does is he offers lame excuses. He gets us to do lame. In fact, they're so lame, they've got to be about as lame as this. Listen to this guy's excuses as to why he refused to wash. Yeah, watch this. This is crazy. Phew, is right. Hey, I was forced to as a child. No, that's why I don't wash. I'm telling you what. No, no, no. People who wash are hypocrites. They think they're cleaner than everybody else. You know it's true. Hey, there's so many different kinds of soap. I just can't decide which is best. So I'm just not going to wash. I just no. Hey, I used to wash, but I just got bored and stopped. You know what I'm saying? I, you know what are you am going to do? I, hey, you know, I wash on special occasions. Come on, Christmas and Easter, two times a year. That's good enough, isn't it, to wash? No, no, hey, none of my friends wash. What are you trying to do, guilt me into this? Come on, what's the big idea? Hey, hey listen, I'll start washing when I get older and dirtier. Have you heard that one before? No, 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 I can't spare the time. I ain't got time to wash. Yeah, uh, no, 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 the bathroom is never warm enough in the winter or cool enough in the summer. I got to have the right temperature in order to wash, you know what I'm saying? I just can't deal with that. No, no, people who make soap are only after your money. See, that's the game that's being played there. See, that's the whole thing. It's all about the money, right? That's what they, they create this thing, so you have to come and you have to buy. And Now, you guys know exactly where I'm going with this. You supplant the word "their wash, for church services, and uh, that's what's going on, isn't it? And here's the point, folks. If those, listen, if those excuses, okay, uh, as to why somebody can't wash physically with water, uh, is not only lame, but it would cause somebody, if they actually live like that, to literally stink to the high heavens. Then listen, don't you think that eventually Christian, if that's you, and you apply that to church services, and it's the washing of the water of the word that keeps us clean on a regular basis, don't you think you're going to spiritually Say it again. Turn to somebody and say, hey, stop being a stinky Christian. Right? And it shows in your life. Look around. Look around even personally. Why do you think your life, listen, reeks of immorality, Christian? Do you wonder why your walk with Jesus smells like the bottom of a garbage can? Do you wonder why sin has now permeated your ever poor? It's a spiritual attack. It's not about legalism. If you come, I want you to come because you love Jesus. And it's all about him. But I'm telling you, this is a spiritual trap. The enemy knows that if you come on a regular basis, you will come and be cleansed. You will be encouraged. God will give you, listen, a spiritual shower. And what will happen? You will be stayed fresh. You will be kept clean. You will keep smelling, what's Paul say? Like the aroma of Christ. But all he's got to do is say no. God, you're being legalistic, man. I ain't got time for that. Now, always I get older. No, no, this is just, no, no, they're after my, no. And the whole time, week after week, spiritually, your walk with Christ,
1: it gets the stake.
0: You should be walking around being the aroma of Christ. You're making stinky messes wherever you go. It's a trap. It's a trap. Now, that's just the first thing it'll do to you. Right? It'll cause you to spiritually stink. You're not taking a spiritual shower, so to speak. Okay, the second thing, he goes for the throat. Because if he can get you away from church services, you're on your own. I call them lone ranger Christians. Right? I know there's times when you've got to bounce around and you're trying to find a healthy place. And I'm not being callous to those because we get the phone calls, emails every single week from around the world, not just the United States. It's hard to find a healthy church It's hard to find anybody who will actually preach all the Bible Not just some of the Bible let alone get rid of the pop psychology and fluff stuff. I get that But get rid of this idea that's going to come easy drive or move Because there's still churches out there that are still faithful to the word of God and guess what it's not going to come easy And can I say this? I'll make a prediction. It's going to get worse because we're in the apostasy. So if you find one, I don't care if you got to drive an hour and a half. Get there. It's for your own good. But listen, the whole time the enemy tricks you, oh, it's too far, I can't, or I don't have time, or have this. It not just gets you to stink. Listen, the second thing is, he wants you out there by yourself because then he will devour you. you get it? Oh, see, I didn't say that. God did. This is what we were warned in 1 Peter, right? The enemy's out there. He's not just tricking you. He's out there to devour you. This is what we see, 1 Peter 5, 8-9. Be self-controlled and alert, Christian. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what? A roaring lion. He's looking for somebody to What? devours the word there resist him stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings it's a global attack he's doing it every single day he's out there every single day his evil emissaries (laughs) ha 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 who can we devour today this is really going on i'm not making up peter tells us listen our enemy the devil's not just real he's really out to get us not just mess with us not just mess us up but to literally spiritually devour us if he can. And I'm telling you folks, one of the ways he does that is to get us disconnected from the body of Christ. How? By not going to church services. I'll say it again so you don't miss the point. It's not about legalism, it's everything about listen, when you come to the church service in a healthy context where the word of God's being preached, it's not just that we get spiritually cleansed, we get washed by the water of the word, but there's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. He knows if we stick with the herd, so to speak, it's awfully hard for him to get us because we're surrounded by so many other on-fire Christians. And again, the Bible uses the same term. He Like a roaring what? It didn't say catfish or chicken, fortunately. A roaring lion. 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 Just like a lion in real-life nature, you watch those nature shows, and you go, oh, look at those wonderful antelope. Aren't those so cute? Look at them hopping around. It's cool. Oh, there's a whole herd. Ooh, nasty, mean lion. He's over there. Oh, but they're okay. They're all together, the whole herd. And next thing you know, somebody makes a mistake. Who is it? It's that one, I don't know what it was. They just, all of a sudden, they just, you stick with the herd. You were fine. But no, they just had to bounce away this way. Right? And what did the lion do every single time? I got you. What was the whole tactic? We see this in nature. It's spiritual too, you know. Just to get you separated from the herd. Because when you get separated from the herd, you are toast. Oh, wow. What's the word he uses? He will come and devour you. I'm telling you, he does the same thing. Do you know some signs that I've noticed in ministry that people are being duped into pulling away from the herd? They'll say stuff like this. Hey, 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 hey. I don't need to go to church services to be saved. No, 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 no. Hey, listen. I watch uh, uh, church services on TV. That's good enough, ain't it? No, no, no. no. Oh, you guys, have you heard this one? I, I worship God in nature. How many times are you going to fall for this? I can This is not legalism. It's a spiritual trap. There's strength in numbers, folks. He knows that we are tight. When we're tight together, he can't mess with us. There's Christians, there's brothers and sisters in Christ who really love Jesus. What a concept. And they'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. You'll be washed by the strength of the word. They will come together in your time of need. We help each other out. We're strong. But if he can get you to... uh, He'll chase you down and destroy you. It's kind of like this little, little baby cub... Who made the mistake of getting separated from mama. Watch what the lion does. Let's take a look. Sick and tired of getting beat up as a Christian? Tired of getting
1: bloody? Smacked all over the place.
0: I see this so often in the church. The enemy gets Christians off and beats them to a pulp. Are you sick and tired? Being exhausted in your walk with Jesus. Just like, can't even get a moment of rest. Come back to mama. <laughs> <laughs> come back to church services. That's the strength. Then he tries to come through there, all of us should turn around. <laughs> he runs. Resist him. He will flee from you. There is strength in numbers. The enemy wants to dupe you with lame excuses as to why you can't come. Because he wants to trick you like that little bear and he'll beat you to a pulp. And if you're sick and tired of it, come back. Come back to the safety. Come back to mama. And you'll be just fine. This is what Hebrews says. I'm not making this up. Okay. What do you think he's talking about now? Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Let us not give up what? Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Has anybody noticed that the days are getting more evil? Right? Turn to somebody and say, hey, I need you, man. Okay? Because that's the reality, folks. We need each other. It's only going to get more evil. But if a Christian only comes enough, it's enough to make appearances. But never be regular. It's a trap. Somebody's out to cause you to be a stinky Christian. Somebody's out to spiritually devour you. Don't fall for it. Stay close to the herd. OK? That's just the first casualty. that's you. That's what he's up to. OK The second casualty is it messes with the church. We need each other. The church is designed to take care of each other. The church is designed to take care of each other so we can be strong together. Okay, paul says this okay when we get saved we get gifts romans chapter 12 verse 5 through 8 So in christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the others We have different gifts according to the grace given us and so if a man's gift is prophesying, let him what? Let him prophesy and use it in proportion of his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it one. With a sour attitude? No, cheerfully, what a privilege it is, okay? The Bible says that each one of us as Christians at the point of salvation we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God, bang. And you also, at that moment, you get, listen, supernatural gifts from God just so you can sit around and stare at the wall. No, they're meant for the benefit of the whole church, and the enemy knows this. He can't take away our salvation. Listen, he can't take away our gifts. So you know what he does? He just gets us to not use them. He just gets us to not use them. And let me break it down for you. It's common sense. Some Christians, we saw, they have the gift of teaching. But if you rarely come to services, how can people be taught? Which is for their edification, the strength in the body. Some Christians have the gift of encouragement. But if you rarely come to services and that's your gift, how can other people be encouraged? Flip it around. Guess what? There's going to be times in your walk with Jesus Christ, you need to be taught. You need to be shown mercy. You need help. You need encouragement. But if you don't come, you can't be benefited from it. We're one body. We need each other. But if you never come and only come enough to make appearances, listen, it only hurts you. It hurts the church. We need each other on a regular basis for regular strengthening. The third casualty is it also hurts the gospel, right? Because here's where we learn the truth, and the truth what? sets people free. I didn't say that. Uh, Jesus did. Let's take a look. John chapter 8, 31-32. To the Jews have believed in him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are what? You're really my disciples. Then you will know the what? Truth, and the truth will set you free. Disciples, mathētēs in the Greek there, mathematics, means disciplined learner. So Jesus said, when you become a disciplined learner of me, what's one of the side effects of that? You get to know the truth, right? And be set free. Okay? Now, again, here's the problem. When a Christian is casual in their attendance, they're not only tricked into weakening themselves, weakening the church, but they're weakening, if you will, how to present, let alone defend the gospel. All right? Let me break it down for you. When a Christian goes to a church service where the word of God is truly being preached, and it's crazy, I even have to make that statement. But that's where we're in. When the word, I'm not talking any church service, when a Christian is going to a church service where the word of God is really being preached, okay? Then God's word exposes you to his truth, which exposes the lies. You become a disciple. You get to know his truth, which means you can share the gospel accurately, which means when people who don't believe in it accurately, you get to lovingly steer them to the truth so they can be set free. Do you see how it works? It's not just for our benefit. It's to understand who God is and how to explain the gospel, the cross of Jesus effectively. Because if you notice, there's false gospels out there. You go to many church services if they even have an altar call most don't even don't most of them don't even uh, Give the gospel and then their so-called version of the gospel is not really even the gospel come to jesus because he loves you Where's the talk of god is holy we are not the wages of our sin is death We deserve to die and go straight to hell. You need somebody to save you. Oh, no, no Come to jesus and uh Life will be great. What is he like a life enhancement? That would fit our culture Take these pills, get buff like Pastor Billy. Right? Obviously, they're not working. But anyway. <laughs> and this is just a spiritual enhancement. Pop this gospel pill, right? And just, hey, life is great. That's not the gospel. So you and I need to get equipped with the truth so we can share with people. Because if you get the gospel wrong, where do you go? You go to hell. Now, if you think our world doesn't need the truth to set, us, uh, to set them free, pfft. Better take a look at some of the average Joe's spiritual beliefs, okay? And this is here in America. Let's take a look at that. Uh, 67% of unchurched adults call themselves Christian. Here in America, you just say you're Christian somehow you are. Is that how it works? Well, that's a lie. And if you keep believing that lie and you never surrender to Jesus Christ on the cross, you're going to where? Hell. So they need the truth to what? Set them free. So we need to be be able to defend that. Uh, Number one. Uh, Two, 10% believe that God is a state of higher consciousness that a person may reach. What? What are you talking about? Uh, 19% believe that the whole idea of sin is outdated. One out of every five people we meet don't even believe in the sin thing, but yet you can't get saved until you deal with the sin thing. That's a serious stumbling block to them being saved. They need to the truth. 68% say Satan is a mere symbol of evil. That's just like the church. We'll get to that in a second. 81% believe in angels, but Satan's a fallen angel. Why don't you believe in him? But, and then 64% believe, listen, that if a person is generally good, they're going to earn their place in heaven. Can you believe that? That's the average show, and sixty-one percent do not believe that people who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior will have to go to hell. <sighs> How many guys would say that our world and whom we have the privilege to witness to needs some serious truth right now? They need this truth. They need to be corrected in love, so they can be set free, like us. Anybody glad you got set free? Are you glad that somebody told you so you can be set free? right? Okay, now, so that's best case scenario, right? But here's the problem. If you never go to a church service, again, where the Word of God's being preached, how are you ever going to become a disciple? How are you ever going to defend this baloney? And if you don't think that it's not having an effect on us, on professing, I'll use this word, professing Christians, well, somebody needs to learn to read their Bible. Somebody needs to stop going to these church services that are not preaching the Bible and hook up to somebody who is because we're messed up. We're not even defending the gospel. Do we even know what the gospel is? Here's the so-called spiritual beliefs of professing Christians. 55% of people who say they're Christians in America says the Bible has errors in it. 50% say that there is no absolute truth. Make it up as you go. 47% don't have commitment as the Christian faith is a top priority. Uh, 58% don't have being active in a local church as their top goal. Right, So you're never serving, you're never showing, you're never growing, the church is hurt. Man, you're part of the problem, not the solution. 53% of people who profess to know Christ as their Savior says the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. Oh, he's just God. What? Oh, it gets even worse. Again, 65% says Satan don't exist, and our very first study we saw it could be as high as 91 to 99%. These are people who are supposed to be Christians. 30% of the church says that Jesus Christ died, but he was never resurrected. 29% said that he sinned just like the rest of us. These are people who go to church services. And 25% said it doesn't matter what faith you follow, they all lead to heaven. And yet Jesus said he is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. That's what the Bible says. Okay, 31% said you can earn your way to heaven. This is in the church. 12% says, I don't even know what's going to happen when I die. <laughs> Are you serious? And this is why 93% of professing Christians in America, they no longer have a biblical worldview. Can I translate that for you? That means they don't know anything basic Bible beliefs, which includes the gospel. They don't know anything. They don't know how to defend it. They don't know how to do it. It sounds to me like somebody's, one, not read their Bible, two, They're experiencing the fruit of either going someplace that's not preaching the Bible. Or two, they could go to a place that preaches the Bible. But then he says, "Ah, maybe next week. I'll just go enough to keep up with the appearances. Twice a year should be good. Once in a while. And you never become that disciple of Jesus Christ. We come because it spiritually cleanses us. We come because we need each other. You're sick and tired of getting slapped around. We need each other. And we come because we live in a world full of lies. And on a regular basis, as we sit under the word of God, we get to know his truth, i.e. become disciples. Then we have the privilege to go to the world and say, hey, here's the truth. Let it set you free. His name is Jesus Christ. There's only one way out of this mess. But if you never come, how's that ever going to happen? It destroys us, it destroys the church, it hurts in sharing the gospel. Keith Green made this statement. Listen to this, I love this. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, but the American church can't even get out of bed. Ooh, that stings, doesn't it? But it's unfortunately so true. With the American church, if we're going to be all we can be, we've got to keep our attendance up, not down. This is not about legalism. It's everything about a spiritual trap, amen? Are, did you get it? It's a spiritual trap. The enemy knows that if we get into this casual state, casually show up, punching the time clock once in a while, bang, he's got you. He's got you. It'll hurt you, the church, and the gospel. The second way that we know you're becoming a casual Christian, he's out to get you, seeking whom he may devour, right? Is when you're, let's build on it, when your witness goes down. Not just your church attendance, so you can grow up and stay strong and healthy. But when your witness goes down, you see, the second definition of the word casual, listen, means to feel or show little concern. To feel or show little concern. And this is another thing the devil does right after you get saved to keep you and I from becoming a mighty army. And he throws out the bait. He says this. Hey, hey, listen. Okay. I couldn't stop you from going to church services, right? All right. You're growing strong. And frankly, you're freaking me out because you're becoming a spiritual threat. I got that. Okay. But listen, come on. You don't want to be labeled as one of those other Jesus freaks. <laughs> I mean, you're, every, you're one of those people. Everywhere you go, you're passing out a track, a DVD. You're trying to stir up a conversation, whether it's your family or the guy at the gas station. Or co or, You really want to be one of those people? Yes is the correct answer. Unfortunately, I think it's working all too well. Somebody else would tell him, you don't need to worry about it. And see, you might be thinking that, hey, listen, a casual witness, (laughs) you know, hey, at least I'm going to church services. A casual witness, you know, that's not that big of a deal. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell as well. Because the devil knows that a casual witness leads to casualties. And the first casualty is, Christian, you are shrugging off a command from God. You're shrugging off Christ's commission, right? Let's take a look at that. And this is what we see here in Mark 16, parallel passage, Matthew 28. He, Jesus, said to them, what? Launch a committee. To discover the feasibility of an outreach program and how that somebody else can do it for us. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't there. What's the word say to everybody who's reading this? Go. Go into where? All the world and preach the good news to people you like. No, all creation. Creation. And I bring out those passages uh, for a, a point, folks, because, again, we all know this is what's called the Great Commission, right? What we used to, the devil's got us so twisted, folks, we think it's now the grand suggestion. And to make matters worse, listen, the American church, we no longer call shrugging off Christ's Great Commission as a big deal. Folks, when we disobey God, it's called a what? It's all a sin. But we don't even acknowledge that. Instead, we do the excuse thing. And we excuse away a command from God and say, hey. That's that's just not my thing. That's for those Christians over here who are into that. You know, those ones that are still on fire? (gasps) No, 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 no. Haven't you heard? There's specific people who do that. That's what they do. They're called evangelists. I don't have to do it. Oh. We all go, we all tell, all the world, all of creation, okay? The enemy is not dumb, folks. When we disobey God, it's called sin. Think about it. Is that how we treat other passages of the scripture? You shall not steal. Oh, hey, I can steal all day long. You know, those people who don't steal, that's for those people. Haven't you seen them in the Bible? They're called no stealers. That's their gift. See, that's not my giftedness. So I can steal. what for those of you listening on tape i'm joking so i don't want to hear this cut this out of the context and make me say it like i'm a thief okay uh what hey you shall not murder <laughs> that's for those people who got that gift of no murder right because hey for the rest of us shoot them up light them up you get on my nerves <laughs> i don't have to worry about it because that's not my gift It's crazy to say that, right? And we're joking about it and we're laughing about it because it, it would be insane for somebody to say that. Are you kidding? No, nobody's supposed to murder. Nobody's supposed to steal. But for some reason, when it comes to witnessing, do you see the cunningness of the enemy? And this is something that affects people for all eternity. He knows if he can get the American church to be casual about our witness and excuse away our disobedience... We'll never get the gospel out. And our world will continue to go straight into hell. Now, he builds on that because that's just step one. Let's talk about the penalty. The second casualty is not just shrugs off Christ's commission. It sends people to hell. And hell is a real place. But Jesus fortunately made a way out. Okay, and here's the choice that people are making every single day that Jesus encourages them uh, to turn to Him. Matthew chapter seven, again, Jesus said, 13 through 14, enter through the what gate? Narrow gate, right? Why? Because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to where? Destruction, and nobody enters through it. No many is the word there. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a what? A few. Find it. Now, does that ever freak anybody else out besides me? The many versus few? Because what is oftentimes painted in churches, oftentimes? Man, there's only going to be a few unfortunate souls who end up in hell and it's just, we tried our best, man, we were so active, every single one of us, every church that ever existed, man, if we had a passion for sharing the gospel, our world en masse, in great harvest fields, they were, they were cleaned up, all one for Christ, and there were just a couple little gleanings that didn't make it. That's, that's the impression you get. But what's Jesus say? Uh-uh. The bulk of humanity is on that wide road and they're going to hell. The narrow road, you know why it's narrow? Because that's only one way to get there. And only a few find it. I wonder why. I wonder why. When his mouthpiece is you and I, have a casual attitude. Most people are not on the highway to heaven, they're on the highway to hell. It's not just that I actually heard one guy with all due respect he was at a funeral and it just, I just want to say you can say it. You're a pastor, you can say it. They need to hear it. it's supposed to sting, it's supposed to scare you. Not all fear is bad. He could only get out uh, they, they 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 didn't go to heaven. They went to hell. And it should cause us to weep. But we have to love people enough to tell them the truth because the truth will set them free. There's two places in eternity. Yes, there's a heaven. But yes, there's a hell. And it is urgent and scary, and that's why you need to run to Jesus now. It's okay to say it. In fact, you look at Luke 16 in the account there, what are the people in hell wishing people on earth would do? Witness to my family. Don't let them come here. One guy shares this. True story. He said, I I, I talked with a young man one day who mentioned that he had been injured and wound up on an emergency room operating table. He said his heart had stopped beating, his soul had actually rose up from his body, and immediately a sense of an evil presence began to come over him, and he could actually hear this evil hissing laughter. And he told me he was so glad to get back into his body and and, and be alive. He knows how real evil is. He said, then another time a respiratory nurse who works in an emergency room told me about a patient who had gone code ready, flatlined. She and some other medical personnel rushed over with a defibrillator trying to bring him back to life, and they they applied the paddles, and they did revive him, and she said he started immediately screaming and shouting, the heat, the heat, and then his heart stopped again, and then they brought him back a second time, and he shouted, the flames, the flames, and then they lost him again. Four times the man flatlined, and he was brought back. Each time he was shouting about the heat or the flames, and the last time he died, and they couldn't bring him back. Listen, true story. She said, all the doctors and the nurses just stood there for minutes, staring at his body. They knew that man went into hell. He was screaming to it before he even got there. And he said, another doctor, a cardiologist, has witnessed numerous patients during uh, these kind of experiences. And after interviewing, listen, 300 of them, a pattern begins to develop. He said that nearly half of them reported a lake, of fire, devil, or demon-like figures, and other sights reflecting the reality of a literal hell. His conclusion as a doctor, listen, says, quote, There is life after death, and if I don't know where I'm going, it's not safe to die. Even a doctor gets it. If we really believed in hell, we would cry out to God, God, give us souls or take my soul. Because any sane person would do whatever it had you had to do to warn somebody, rescue somebody from that place. And that's why Jesus did what he did. He warned over and over and over again about this place because he doesn't want them to go there. And do we not know, as the American church, when we refuse to share the gospel, when we refuse to tell people about Jesus that there's not just a heaven, there is a hell? Listen, the enemy's got us so twisted. We're helping people go to hell. We who have been rescued from hell by our silence is helping people go to hell. Isn't that crazy? You tell me that's not a spiritual attack. The enemy knows exactly what he's up to. We need to speak up and we need to warn people and witness to people, even the hardcore atheists like this guy did. Let's take a look.
1: It was February of 1975, at that time I was an alcoholic out of control. Uh, I was also using uh, recreation drugs, but primarily alcohol was my drug of choice. I became ill, and uh, by ill I mean I I had a severe pain in my abdomen. And I checked into the hospital at Wadley Hospital in Texarkana in February of 1975. At that time in my life I was an atheist. Uh, I was a hardcore atheist and uh, was living for myself. Uh, uh, Atheists are self-centered and they live for themselves. But I, you know, and I had been laying there in a coma and I had heard these people talk about how sick I was and how I was going to die and how I wouldn't get out of the hospital. Now, see, it's very easy to be an atheist when you're successful, you have worked your way from Oklahoma welfare, to being one of the most powerful men in your part of the country, one of the most powerful men in the state of Oklahoma in relationship to political. It's very easy to be an atheist when you have done all of that. Man can sit back and say, I don't need God. What is God? But it's very difficult to be an atheist when you're laying on your deathbed because you begin to think, what if these people are right? See, there had been one man by the name of Ron Short that had stood between me and the gates of hell. One man that had witnessed to me about the love of Jesus for five years before I became ill. One man. And, you know, I would debate him. And I liked him because he did what he said he was going to do. I mean, he was the only one that I saw that professed to be Christian that lived what he said he was going to do Uh, and so I, I really respected him I didn't believe what he said but I respected him but when I'm laying on my deathbed and knowing that I'm going to die guess who I thought about I thought about what if Ron is right what if there is a heaven and a hell and so the most Immediately, immediately, the most pressing thought in my mind is, how do I get saved? What is saved? What is saved? How do I get saved? And so I sent them for Ron Short. I wanted him to come down uh, because I wanted him to do ever what he had to do. I had no idea. How can a man hanging on a tree in Israel 2,000 years ago, what is that to me? But I knew that he had something that I had to have. And that night, see, I had him go for Ron, but Ron wasn't home. Ron was in Alabama. And so I had him go and send for Ron. And that night was the longest night that I've ever had in my entire life. I felt untold terror. Untold terror, because I knew that if I ever went all the way, if I slipped all the way, I would never get back. Now, in my beings of beings, I knew that. And so I fought all night long. They told me later on, I not only pulled the mattress cover off of the mattress, I pulled the mattress up on me because I had to stay. I had to wait. I had to wait till run. got there. And I fought all night long. And the next morning, somewhere 9.30, 10 o'clock, in came Ron. And Ron came in and he says, Dr. Whittaker, what do they say is your chances? I said, Ron, they tell me I have none. He says, now's the time. And I said, you're right. I mean, I'd cursed him. I'd spit at him. But now was the time because I had to have whatever he had. I let Ron lead me in the sinner's prayer and I, I said the sinner's prayer after him and I can tell you one thing, there was a peace that came over me like I had never known. I'd search for that peace, I'd search for it in the bottles, alcohol, I'd search for it in needles, I'd search for it in drugs, I'd search for it with women, I'd search for it in all types of places, but there was no peace in my life. But once I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was no longer afraid. Now, all of these people that in the New Age movement that believe that everybody's going to heaven, that you can worship anything, you worship a flea, you can, you can squeeze a tree, uh, you can worship a crystal, you can worship the stuff. I got news for them. They're not, you know, they're not going. Uh, unless they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because the Word says, the only way to the Father is through the Son.
0: what do you say because the word says sounds like somebody has somehow gotten to some sort of a state after he got saved and he's regularly cleansed by the word he's become a disciple in the word and now he's doing whatever he can to instruct people with the true one and only gospel through the word. He's not casual at all. We have another Ron here. Faithful Ron. Remember that Ron led Dr. Whitaker to the Lord? Yeah. Well, this Ron, he's led his wife to the Lord. He led his father-in-law to the Lord and how many countless other people to the Lord? All of us need to be like that. Got an amazing witness on the front row here named Bobby. Right? Or for those of you who want to sound really spiritual, Bobby, right? (laughs) Witnessing every chance. Can you imagine what kind of impact we could have here in Las Vegas, even more so, if every one of us would be like that? Can I tell you something? All of us are supposed to be like that. And if we're not like that anymore, guess what? We fell for the trap. We become casual. And we've excused it away. Like it's okay? No, it's not. It's a spiritual trap. So, in closing, what do you do? I mean, what if you're that person? What? What what if you became that casual Christian? what is is it hopeless? No. Number one, you need to repent. Number two, you need to get right with God. And number three, this is the good news. God loves you. He, you're his child he's gonna go right back to work to you bang just like that you get regular things start turning around Doesn't take a long time and he'll turn you from that casual christian into a committed christian and a committed christian Is not that hard to spot Right, I don't care how long they've been to say they still got the woo, flames come out of the ears In fact a committed christian listen They will not just love people enough to tell them the truth because they're a disciple of the truth But they will even put their lives on the line if necessary like this Christian. This is a true story. He Zimbabwe Christian. These are the last words, reportedly, he had written down before he was martyred for his faith. He said, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die is being cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean in his presence. I walk by patience. I'm uplifted by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my God is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander in the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and preached up for the cause of Christ, because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I must go till he comes. I will give till I drop. I will preach till I'll know. I'll work till he stops me. Listen. And when he comes for his own. He'll have no problem recognizing me. Because my banner will be clear. And this is what the enemy is wanting to take away from us. He cannot take away our salvation. But he puts us into this position. If Jesus came back today. Christian. Would your banner be clear? Would you hear the words from Jesus Christ? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Or did the enemy get you? And he will say to you, oh, there you are. Why did you run from your master? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, oh, you'll make it there. But only as one escaping through the flames. You got smoke coming off your back end. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done for me. By his spirit, it ain't me pulling my bootstraps. It's all by his spirit, all him doing it. But I want to put something besides smoke at his feet. The only way that's going to happen is we turn from being a casual Christian to a committed Christian and get back on track now not tomorrow now let's be that church amen well hi this is billy crone of get life ministries and i hope you enjoyed today's study but in closing let me ask you one final question are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell now before you answer that let me uh, share with you a couple of things that the bible says the bible says that god is holy and that we are not and the wages of our sin or unholiness is death We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those, of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, The the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay? Uh, If you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-rays showing us that we have sin that's separating us from him. We're not holy and perfect like him. The fifth commandment says that you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even his name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, Hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved? We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart, man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye, at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just 5 out of 10 of God's divine x-ray, by the way. Uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what he already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a liar. I'm a a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state, you're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said, if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, We have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against Him. And you can actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, We see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and and, and the the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail. But believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon their crimes, and by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, all of it, even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon his name, ask him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and Uh, Things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you
1: in heaven. God bless.